Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our Advent series. Today we are, well, if you haven't been tuning in, we're going over the characteristics of Jesus, the different names he was called. And so today's episode, we're going to go over how he was called the bread of life and the chief cornerstone. And so we've invited a guest on to talk about that. I'm going to let her introduce herself in a minute, but we thought this would be, why did we think these went together, Rebecca? I don't know. You're the one who picked the titles. Okay, I thought so. I was bringing you into the conversation. <laughs> I was going to say, you're the one who picked the titles. I don't know. Well, I was thinking, you know, bread, except for like in America where we all have gluten issues, bread is often the, ch- I'm not making fun of you if you have gluten issues, by the way. There are things with the processing of flour that make that happen that did yes. not happen in Jesus' day. So I'm not making fun of you. But um, we, bread is the chief cornerstone of a lot of different cuisines, a lot of, um, it, it sometimes is a utensil in different places. And when Jesus was alive, it was very much the chief cornerstone of what he would have been eating, yeah, like the building block. And so yes. when he called himself that, we want to look at the context of that and say, what was the relationship of his people to bread? Yes. And then cornerstones, I don't know a whole lot about <laughs> Yeah, we're going to mostly, <laughs> we're gonna mostly <laughs> focus on the bread of life today, but definitely the cornerstone. I mean, we and just like bread in Jesus' day is not processed the way it is now. We don't build houses and we don't yeah. build buildings the way they built buildings. But in ancient times, buildings were built um, around a cornerstone. We don't, our modern um, architectural technology allows us to not have a corner. I mean, every every building has a cornerstone, but it, now it's for ornamental purposes. Yeah. Um, but at, in the day, that was that was the center of the foundation yeah like you would build a cornerstone and then everything would be built around it and it would provide the stability and the strength for the entire building so when jesus called himself the cornerstone it's the idea that he's that he's the foundation on which the church is built yes and the foundation of our faith is him being the chief cornerstone yeah. yeah, that's all we can talk about buildings because I'm not an architect. <laughs> so we can talk about bread. <laughs> buildings are over. So to talk about bread, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about Just Bakery, Leah? Sure. My name's Leah Lonsbury, and I started Just Bakery in 2017 because I had been dreaming for a long time about working at the crossroads of feeding people and sharing food and also creating change. So. Uh-huh. When we moved back to Atlanta, some pieces came to place into place. It was back in my network of friends from seminary who were out doing really cool, um, change-making things in the community, and also came back to my home church, Oakhurst Baptist. They were given a generous gift, a bequest, and they put that money into a fund that then a group got to meet with folks and hear about proposals and then grant requests. Mm-hmm. And we got the lion's share of that money and a kitchen came available and a partnership with the International Rescue Committee came to be. And we got started with two folks baking and training, doing um, professional certification and serve safe, which can serve them in a lot of different capacities yeah. um, and doing paid job training so that they don't have that loss of income period that makes it hard right. for a lot of people to try something new. And we also do living wage work in partnership with our trainees. So, um, you know, $15 an hour is where our folks start. Which That's amazing. It's great. Yeah. In a metro area is not truly a living wage, but then they can move up with us. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a lot different than going to work at the chicken factory 
an hour and a half away. Right. Um, where you're working 12 hour shifts in terrible conditions, terrible conditions, yeah. hard on your body, hard on your soul, hard on your family. So, yeah. yeah. So your employees are refugees, correct? Yes. New okay. Americans. And they would, they would not tell you they're refugees. They were resettled as refugees. Okay. And they consider themselves new Americans. New Americans. Okay. Yeah. And so was that kind of your heart in starting this was to employ specifically people who are like at risk of being unemployed? Well, originally I set out to do like a prepared meal plan program okay. to do it with the guys in the recovery program that is associated, started by my church, but spun off as a separate nonprofit. Okay. And for a variety of reasons, the meal prep piece had a lot of logistics that I couldn't figure out how to make work in my life or in like in terms of regulations. Yes. And then the guys in the recovery program, it's such an intensive experience. They didn't have the kind of time in their daily life and in their program um, to carve out for this because I was working with them like on resumes and, and job search and um, they have these big holes in their resumes. And so I thought Mm -hmm. this would be a way um, to build that and to yeah. get them working again. So had to pivot like entrepreneurs, the yes, they yes. love to use <laughs> um, and was actually working on the soft side of resettlement with my church mm-hmm. um, uh, with an Afghani family who've come to be very dear friends of mine and was sitting in the um, lobby of the IRC watching the jobs scroll across the board, chicken factory, you know, minimum wage, uh, fast food, 10 hours a week, seven 80 or whatever the, the wage was and thinking no one can live on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, those pieces just came to place. Um, my good friend is the deputy director there and I have learned a lot by his leading by example and the work mm-hmm. that he does in the community. And my life was just drastically changed by meeting this Afghani family who are now my dear friends. Um, she's launched a catering business. He's gotten a job. Their kids are in school. Yeah. And I got to um, walk with them yeah, and see the difficulties they faced um, rebuilding life in a new place. So all of that came to inform how Just Be Green came to be. Awesome. So tell us a little bit. I, I'm familiar with you guys because um, if you listen to our episode on Oak Grove Market, yes. you pop up outside there sometimes, but also um, you're at all the local farm, you're at community farmers markets, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Decatur the, on Wednesdays. Decatur on Wednesdays. So mm-hmm. in the Atlanta area, most of our farmers markets, I think, are through community. A lot of them, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's how I'm familiar. But tell us a little bit about like, y'all, y'all make a ton of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't just do bread, you do pastries right. and... All kinds of things. So we usually have about five or six, maybe seven different cookies on the menu at, mm-hmm. at a time. And so we keep our dark chocolate chip with sea salt mm-hmm. on there all the time. We did a peanut butter and curry cookie when we got started. That oh, we thought we would, you know, phase off and come with something else seasonal. And there was like this great uprising with our uh, faithful customer base. And so that one has stayed on. Um, we try to keep items on the menu that come from our baker stories, whether they're their recipes or their flavor profiles that have been a part of their uh, country of origin and mm-hmm. their story there or things they cooked with their families. And so that's one of them. Um, we have made flatbread. We make a jira biscuit, which is like a sort of a savory cookie that's a cumin based spiced shortbread from Nepal or head baker is from Nepal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We make scones like butterscotch cinnamon scones or Thai currant scones. Mm. We make lemon blueberry muffins and um, pe- pumpkin pecan muffins. Yeah. Several different kinds of bread, focaccia, um, bagels, cinnamon rolls are a big seller. And so. it's all super fresh and it's all like not made with anything weird. And like you have yes. to stick it in your freezer because it will go yes. bad as it yes. should. Yes, yes, yes. And your bread should not sit on the counter. You mean my bread shouldn't last for two weeks on the counter? I know, without right? Getting oh, mine does too. I mean, it's just reality. Like we have to buy this life sandwich bread sometimes, but yep. it's such a treat to have really good stuff. It is. And you're right. It doesn't last. We don't bake with any preservatives. Yeah. You know, as a result, I've had people who've struggled with gluten and different mm-hmm. things about their breads from the grocery store say, I can, I can eat your bread, but I can really eat your bread. Yeah. I don't know if it has to do with the, um, we try to bake with local and sustainable ingredients as much as we can. Yeah. We don't overprocess anything. We don't add any preservatives. So, you know, if we deliver on a Sunday and you let it sit and sweat in its delivery box, it will mold by Tuesday morning. Yeah. Um, so you have to be a little bit careful with. So you deliver. Stuff. We do. We okay. have a twice a month delivery service. Okay, cool. You can find it, all the information under finding it. Yeah, food. and we'll definitely put this all on. Oh, the definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because you should try the bread. It is very good. And I feel like it would make great gifts around the holidays, too. Yeah, just to, we'll, have, we'll have lots of that available in gift cards and pre-orders. Great. So how many people stuff. do you have employed right now? So um, when, I'm going to the IRC this afternoon. Uh-huh. I'm going to hire somebody new, and that will put us at eight folks who were originally That's awesome. those refugees. So we kind of exploded when we tried to open a storefront in Tucker Uh and uh, the Department of Ag came in with a whole bunch of renovations that needed to be done. Yeah. um, So past any kind of money we had in the bank, Mm -hmm. we didn't own the spot. It didn't make sense to sink money into it. And if I had $120,000, I want to spend it on our people, not on physical plans. Yeah. Right. So um, that's always a dream that remains because I think until somebody says I can go to this place and buy your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't be some, we can't be as regular uh, provider of, you know, somebody's like, I need bread for company that's coming over. Yeah. Oh, well we'll be at, you know, uh, Oak Grove United Methodist on third Sunday. So that's not helpful. Right. But like we're at Queenie's every Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Farmer's market every Wednesday. We have regular Friday, Saturday, Sunday sales. So but that storefront would be that constant presence. Yeah. And, and I would love to have a place where people gather too, because that's so much of what we do is yeah. building yeah. that community that's um, more diverse, more compassionate, more connected. And, you know, until you have a physical place where people can do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a stretch. Yeah. Or harder to do. Well, something to work toward. Yeah. And for absolutely. now, you definitely can try their stuff. And it is very delicious. I can vouch for the chocolate chip cookie you mentioned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also had a delicious, um, like, I think it was a, a pretzel. Do you do pretzels with, yeah, like, yeah, jalapeno? And, yeah, those mm. were real good, too. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't live in Decatur, but the next time you're at a farmer's market. I'll pick you up one. I'll pick you, you up one. Great. They're very That's good. Awesome. Um, and we also thought it was so fun. I didn't even know when I asked you to be on the podcast, but you have a background in um, theology, which is super That's cool, right. too. So we wanted to kind of get into a discussion of Jesus as the bread of life. Because yes. um, I think people hear that. I mean, I just feel like there's so many layers at which you can go into bread. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just my brain. But, like, <laughs> I feel, you know, all bread basically has four ingredients. It's right flour salt yeast and water like yeah. that's what you need to make bread um and those four ingredients are all super biblical yes and so super biblical or just biblical 
They're super <laughs> biblical. <laughs> they're extremely. Super, they're extremely biblical. <laughs> there are many, many scriptures. There are for all of water, those. on yes. salt, on like wheat. Yes. And on um, what's the other one? Yeast. yeast. Yes. Are there a lot on yeast? Yeah, yeah there 11. are a lot on yeast. Yep. Yeah, eleven. Yeah. Um, yes. Can we kind of go into like a little bit of each one, maybe? Can yeah, we start sure. there? So uh, let's talk about yeast. Okay. One thing, I'm going to let her talk about yeast. Okay. <laughs> she probably knows more about yeast than I do. I can talk about One know, thing I was going to say about yeast um, is I don't think a lot of people know this, but like yeast doesn't just come in a packet like at your grocery store. It's actually like in the air. And so back in the day when, you know, you didn't have that little Fleischmann's jar, you would like stick your bread on a windowsill outside and it would actually like pull. Yeast is like all around us. Mm-hmm. And so it would pull out. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that I think is so much more fascinating if we're talking theology that it's like literally in the air around you, on you, surround you. It's like it, it is you and you are the bread and the bread is you. Like it's kind of like you didn't really go there, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was very, that was very four of you. <laughs> Leah's also a four, so. I'm definitely outnumbered today. As is typical when we interview people on the podcast. Rebecca's like looking at me crazy and Leah's like, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm like, what are you dying about? I deeply appreciate that beautiful statement. <laughs> it is a beautiful metaphor. Yes, yes. I will applaud you for your metaphor. Mm-hmm. So. so that's what I think of when I think of yeah. yeast. Yeah, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? I mean, like, I, and just, I guess, like, from the technical bread making perspective of yeast, like, yeast can go bad and you can't make bread with it if it's not alive. Right. That's one thing. Yeah, and it's a part of the whole, like, surprising art form of baking, right? Yeah. So it has to be really precise. And scientific because there are things that happen, but there's also art to it. Yes. And the yeast, I think, keeps you guessing in lots of ways. And mm-hmm. it's subversive. It does wacky things that you don't have any control over. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's the kingdom in lots of ways, if you uh-huh. think about it that way. Yeah. Um, it is spirit, mm-hmm. you know, when I think metaphorically about what that means in our world. Too. Yeah. And it's a part of us, like, you know, lives on our skin. It's everywhere. Yeah. So it needs us as well. Well, and one thing too is, you know, baking is so precise. When Rebecca got here, I was making brownies and I had my little scale out and I was like, you know, and everything's so precise. But at the same time, like when you're working with something like yeast that is alive, it, it can't be that. Like there still has to be knowledge. Like you can't right. just like do a recipe and it's going to come out perfect. Like there's a lot of working with the bread and understanding bread mm-hmm. as its own thing that doesn't exist when you're making like a cookie or any any other baked good I can think of and I think that's so fascinating that's why it's so cool when I meet like people like master bakers who have been doing it for so long it Mm -hmm. is just it is beautiful it's an art form it is and a way of life too yeah it makes you think of it's part of like what we're trying to do with our folks to empower and allow them to help their lives rise to a different place a new way of did you mean to say rise well yeah (laughs) (laughs) So I went to work a sale in Tucker with a couple of our folks one morning and realized that everything that should, you know, have risen to be baked looked like a hockey puck on Uh the table. But, you know, they had been instructed to pack up and do the precise count of things and put them on the table this way and they're they're following directions. And I said... You have to know that you have the power to say this did not turn out. Yeah, to it's trust not your going on yeah. the table. It has to do with good business and good yeah. customer service, but it also has to do with them um, owning what we're doing together and recognizing when something doesn't go right. Yes, and saying 
you know, that's the part of the mystery or the guessing part yeah. of phase three. Like it just something didn't turn out. How can we tweak it for next time? But this is not going on the table. Yeah. And then they needed to have the power to be like, oh yeah, I'm not going to try to sell somebody this hockey puck of a breakfast tart, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of metaphorical or some symbolic for some of the work we're trying to do with yeah. um, in partnership with our new American staff members so that um, where they tend to be very deferential, yeah. respectful, um, they're there to learn and to grow. And we're trying to get our folks to take on yeah. a lot of ownership of what we're doing together because they come with such wisdom and such rich story and such um, resiliency that we have a lot to learn from them as well. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I, it's interesting to me with leaven or yeast, whatever word you want to use in scripture, all through scripture that has positive and negative connotations, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, the positive is that it does cause the bread to rise. And, and we've talked about how, it, you know, it's a part of us and, and we equate it to the spirit, to the kingdom. There's also a negative part of leaven, um, you know, at the Exodus, they left with mm-hmm. unleavened bread, mostly because they didn't have time to let it rise. Like the purpose was they were in a hurry and like right. they, they left in a hurry and so they didn't have time for it to rise. So they had to take unleavened bread with them to sustain them, but also that they wouldn't have to wait on or worry about going bad or whatever. Um, but also Jesus talks about removing the leaven, um, you know, from among you. Um, so there's also this negative connotation. So like you can have good leaven and bad leaven, right? Mm-hmm. You can have good yeast and there's the good properties of yeast and then the bad property of yeast is if you put too much of it in there and it spreads, um, then it can become, then it corrupts the bread, right? So that isn't, you know, he's speaking to the church and that, you know, you need to remove the leaven, that remove the parts that are destroying the church too. So, um, it's interesting because there's there, when it comes to the yeast, there's the good and the bad. Well, and I've never really understood that scripture. I'm not asking you to explain it, but this is just one that's always gotten to me because you can't take yeast out of bread. Like yeah. once bread is made, like you, I don't know. The yeast is part of it. So I, I think, well, I think he's just, he's not saying take the yeast out of the bread. I think uh-huh. he's using it as an analogy to say, okay, you know how leaven, leaven's a whole piece of bread. Yeah. Well, bad, bad can oh, yes, also yes. corrupt all of it. So it's just more, he's not telling you to remove the leaven, I don't think. I mean, obviously they did in the Exodus and there's times that the Jewish people eat unleavened bread to remember that. But like, he's not saying remove the leaven from the bread. He's saying like leaven does that to the bread. Uh, someone who, who's corrupt or, or bad things happening in the church, they need to be removed as well yeah. because they will spread like leaven spreads. I don't think he's trying to say you yeah, need yeah, to go yeah. remove leaven from the bread because obviously yeah. that can't happen. It has yeah. to be never put in to make unleavened bread. Yeah. Well, and I guess he ultimately like removed the leaven, right? Yes. The power of it. Yes. If we're bread, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. And then flour. Flour. There's a lot about separating the wheat from the chaff mm-hmm. that I can't speak to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've never harvested wheat before, but I do. Leah, this is why you're here. Um, Can you tell us about wheat harvest? I'm just joking. (laughs) So the last time you harvested wheat, I I am from the Midwest. I'm from Missouri, not Kansas. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, the wheat, you remove the the part that's not useful. Yeah. Like that's what you, that's what they're doing is they're removing the parts that aren't useful. I find it interesting. Like if you've ever tried to taste flour by itself, just how completely terrible it is um which I have to let my children do that at least every three months because it's like they forget I'm like I want to try it I'm like okay try it and they're like yeah. right but um <laughs> we were talking earlier before we recorded about uh, Rebecca and I were about gluten development and flour and how you know it is that 
the kneading process of, that turns, that pulls the... Can you speak to this more eloquently than I can? Oh, gosh. Well, Jenny, who manage, manages our kitchen, definitely could. She talked to... She talked to me about last night about how the the kneading and the folding um, Mm -hmm. develops the gluten and so that it can rise and develop its taste. Yes. That's about as smart as I can sound. So the the gluten is a protein and what it does, Mm -hmm. like it's what gives it the chew, which is why Mm -hmm. if you've ever had like a gluten free bread that's made out of like rice flour or something else, it doesn't have that like a bagel, like I think of a bagel and how it's just chewy. And um, that also gives it the structure. So it's not just like the texture, but it's mm-hmm. also just the, the the cornerstone. If you will, yes. Of good bread is the gluten. And that's what help. I mean, that's, it's a strong bond. It, like the more you develop it and like it rises up, you puff it back down. And every time that you push it down and, you know, knead it. And kneading is hard work yes. also, by the way. Very I think physical. people think of baking sometimes as just like, oh, it's like relaxing. To me, like making real, like I make that like Dutch oven bread, you yeah. know, and that's a no knead bread and it's pretty good. But whenever I've made real bread, I'm, I'm always reminded of how hard the work is of kneading it and developing that gluten and how much I have to be connect. Rebecca, don't even look at me when I say this. I have to be connected to the bread. <laughs> Like, the bread and I are one. Yeah. Keep going with your metaphor. <laughs> but because you'll feel if it's too, if there's too much gluten developing and you need to let it rest. or And I just think that all of that is such a beautiful metaphor for yeah. how God is with us. And he has to need us, you know, like he has to need us and push us down sometimes mm-hmm. and let us come up. And like, just that's, like pottery. Just like pottery. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that's what I think of when I think of flour and bread. <laughs> No, I, and I, I think it's interesting because we are in, in a culture that like is getting rid of gluten and, and there are, are truly people that have an allergy to gluten and I'm not talking about that, but like gluten, it, gluten in our form that we have now when we go buy it at the grocery store is not the same as the gluten that develops naturally in a bread. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. Okay. From what I understand. So using, you know, natural whole ingredients. Yes, for sure. exactly. Because yeah. there are people that I know that have a gluten intolerance. There are people that actually have like true gluten, like they can't have any gluten. Yeah. But the the people that are just, in, a lot of people are intolerant to gluten. But like you said, you know, if they, um, if they eat whole bread, they don't have as much of a problem with it. Right. If they use like the, if they eat bread that has fresh ingredients and, um, so it, what it, we're talking about the hard work of baking and how it's an art. It's just interesting because back in Jesus's day, like, um, most women would know would have known how to bake bread, and I'm assuming there was a there were people that were better at it than others. There were one, the people that were really good at it, and the people that just they got by so they had bread. But uh, not, but people learned the art form of making bread that we don't. Learn, a lot of us don't learn the art of making bread. And to them, whenever he said he was the bread of life, like that was just like common day knowledge. Like to us, we're like processing this, and we're like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. But to them, it was so ingrained. <laughs> their culture that it was such a part of their culture that like it was just like every day to them like to talk to say that he was the bread of life like oh, okay just like the cornerstone like yeah like what does that mean and we the bread what does that mean you know yeah. but to them it was like that's what they did every day like that if they didn't do it they didn't eat like yeah. so it that was i mean you you made bread every day well and from my understanding um Sometimes I watch documentaries about these things, but I I was watching one recently um, and they were in the Middle East and people like that was like the first thing people did that they were showing in the morning was they got up and they like got their dough ready. And then there's communal ovens like people don't have ovens in their houses like we do. And so they would take they all take they would they do they take their bread to this place and like the guy knows like whose is what loaf and then he sends it home with like their little kid and like it was just it's. 
I just thought that was so cool because it doesn't come in a bag. It's like you wake up and if you don't get your bread going, like, good luck. You don't have right. food for the day. And it, yes. it's just so fascinating. And then, like, that whole, like, involving community and feeding your family. Like, yes. the communal oven. I just I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and it was so central, like, at the time when Jesus lived, too, that, and I'm not a biblical scholar or definitely not a biblical languages scholar, but the word that... Jesus would have used for bread was also the word for food. Like it was just so central to their diet, to what they did every day. Like you said, get up and get started that it's like, you know, I'm from the Midwest. So if I want to drink a soda, I would tell you, I want to have a Coke, you know, it's kind of the same kind of idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really a point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the central their day. And, and so when Jesus says he's the bread of life, like that means he is the substance. Like when he was that I am the bread of life, bread to them was substance. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, like it was their substance. And so when he says I'm the bread of life, like he's saying he's the true substance. We can feed off of him for life. Yeah. That's what he's saying. So, and that's what bread is. And that's why I love bread. I know. <laughs> we are bread enthusiasts. We are, I, I am a bread person. So, they are all bread for people, sure. I think. Um, so it was, it was also kind of, Subversive. I mean, he was subversive in so many ways. Oh, yes. But calling himself the bread, choosing people to eat with, mm-hmm. would have been seen as unacceptable yes. or unclean. Um, you know, one of my friends who is very biblically smart would say that, you know, Jesus eating with these people, like who you ate with was yes, racier than who you, you know, who you might have been sleeping with. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, that was the big social act, right? Yes. So you're sustaining your body and sustaining other people's bodies and forming community. Yeah. And that was the subversive act for, for him to call himself bread and then do what he did was like, yes. Yeah. 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 And then, then he gets into, you know, then you get into communion and calling him his body, the bread. Like that was all of that. The disciples were probably like, yeah. You know, because that, yeah. I mean, that it, you like you said, that was, um, it was a, an, a subversive act and it would definitely went against everything that they knew about God and what they knew about his kingdom. Like it, it was the exact, yeah, that, that was not what they said. Same thing with the cornerstone, saying the cornerstone of a building, like for him to say that in front of the Pharisees. And then he said, and it, he, the stone the builders rejected, which is a prophecy from Psalms. Like he's pretty much looking at them. I'm the chief cornerstone and you've rejected me. Mm-hmm. And they, that there's a reason why, you know, there was an uprising <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because these aren't like to us, we're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to them, like him saying these things um, were what got him in trouble. Yeah. You know, because it was definitely um, sub- subversive, like you said. And, and um, what's the other word I'm looking for when you um, promote an uprising? That's the word I'm looking for. A rebel. It's a rebel. It's very rebellious in what he said. Yeah. So. It's also how he regathered them post-resurrection, yes. right? So he, yes. they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. So exactly. How he brings the body back together mm. um, for its next, yeah. um, for the next path that they're going to take together. Yes. The post-revelation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the church. Yeah. I've always, I've always loved that part of the mm-hmm. story, the, um, the resurrection story. They're like, who's this person? Who's this? They're all like whispering to each other. I don't know him. Do you recognize him? And then he breaks the bread and they're like, oh, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. just so interesting to me that that's how they recognized right. him. Um, yeah. I hadn't thought about that in a while. That's a, that is a good, good example. So we've done flour, water, yeast, salt. Well, one thing I was going to say when y'all were talking, it reminded me, um, Bread can actually, 
correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is true that you can survive on just bread. Like if you're eating good bread that's made out of like good ingredients, it has a real, the protein, fat and um, carbohydrate combination can sustain you for a long time without other foods. Is that there's a lot of, people, a lot of countries that that is definitely the case. case. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. think it would have to have, like we talked about those, that protein that doesn't get beat up and becomes yeah, like if, in your grocery store bread. Kind yeah. Of but I think a lot of times people think bread is not like a complete food, but in Jesus's day, it very much could have been a lot of cultures today. I mean, there's a lot of cultures yes. that, I mean, they, they live off bread, rice, you know, like that's like the, the, the staple of their diet and that's how they survive. But like really good, well-made mm-hmm. bread, the way mm-hmm. it would have been in Jesus's time would have been like a complete meal. If And like, Brooklyn I think that, too, yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. I think that's just like a good, cause he's not saying like, I'm, it's not just that he's a good foundation. Like he is also like what you Everything. need. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, when he feeds the 5,000, he feeds them bread and fish. Yeah. So. More bread than fish, too. Yeah. And he's tasty when you want to talk about the salt piece. Yes. yes the no. salt. Salt. Yeah. Um, there's a lot about salt. There's a lot about salt. Preservative and flavor. Flavoring. Yeah. It preserved. It flavored. Um, bread without salt is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> bread, bread without salt is terrible. Yes. <laughs> you don't um, want it. Most of life without salt is terrible. Um, but in, in that day, like, salt was even more important. It was more precious. Like, we just were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Publix and get my right, thing of point. salt. But, yeah. like, that, it was a precious commodity. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, there was very, they had, like, if you were just a normal person, had very little bit. If you were very wealthy, you would have more salt. Like, that was, it, it, it like, chocolate and several other things in, in that day would have been, um, would have been a sign of wealth to have mm-hmm. if you had more salt because it was oh. precious. And so, but, yeah, for, I mean, they used, they had, you had to use salt to preserve anything. They didn't have a refrigerator. They didn't have refrigerators. They yeah. I mean, they salted meats. They salted everything. So to, you know, to preserve. Yeah. And to, and obviously for seasoning as well. Yeah. Makes things tasty. Yeah. You immediately know when something needs salt. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. And you also know when there's too much of it. People ask me a lot how to cook better. And like, um, you know, Simon Nazareth, the, uh, the chef, do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? She, she has a book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yeah. And it's Isn't about there a Netflix special. Yes, there yes. Is. yes. It's very good. Yeah. But, um, she, that's what, what I always tell people. They're like, my food's just not as good as yours. And I'm like, you probably need salt. Like that's usually the thing. Cause people are so scared of salt and you know, we think like, Oh, it's gonna make my blood pressure. Ugh. And it's like, if you're eating to taste and you're making your own food, it's very unlikely that you will oversalt it. What happens is we eat a lot of processed food that already has like the difference between the, yeah. the sodium flavor versus like right. salt. Different. Yeah. Different. Um, but I think people are really scared of it, but it's just always funny to me because I'll just like kind of put more salt and I'm like, oh, it's so good. I'm like, I know. And yeah. Yeah. There you go. Why Free advice. Chocolate chip cookies, right? Yes. It all that, that great butter and uh-huh. chocolate. Uh-huh. Yes. All that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. It really like, it's like a little, it's like an Instagram filter for your food. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. I like it. Oh my. This episode You're welcome. for me. You're welcome. <laughs> an Instagram filter for your food. Oh goodness. Anything oh, definitely. Else? Yes. On um, bread ladies. I'm trying to think salt. Um, what else I wanted to say about salt, but I can't remember. It'll come to me. What I wanted to say about salt. Yeah. But I mean, th- those are all just like basic. Oh, water. We need to talk about water. Oh, yeah. I always wondered if you could make bread with ocean water because it already has salt in it. 
This is a thought. I've just thought of this when I'm at the ocean. I might try it some. Shut up. Shut up, Rebecca. Shut up, Rebecca. You know what? Today's ocean water and bread. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how they they make salt now is they pull it out of the... Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't dig it up. Still, they do, but like sea salt, you know. You, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but that's different than the salt that you get as a mineral in yes. the ground. There's yes. like salt mines. And yeah, salt mines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so we're technically eating ocean water if we're eating sea salt. <laughs> I hope, hopefully, it's been through. Like, I'm gonna try it. Not even to eat it, but just to see if I can. You can save it. Works. I'm gonna see if I can make ocean bread someday, <laughs> so everyone knows that's on my list. Okay. Um, <laughs> Water, <laughs> living water, living water. I think Jesus said something about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few times, right? Just a once, few times. once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Why do we need water and bread? Because well, it activates the no. The sugar in the flour is what. Well, the yeast is activated by both, right? Like you can't. Well, the the yeast eats the sugar in the flour, but then without the mm-hmm. water, it has nothing to like move around. Like it can't. Because it's they're both dry. They need yeah, like a that's, that's the connector. Yeah. 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 The water is the mm-hmm. the binding agent. Yeah. Is it? Is and it plus it agent? wouldn't be anything without the water. Like it would just be lifeless. Like it would just be this like mound of water. That's what makes the yeast come alive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about living water. Yes. yes. Definitely. Yeah. I think it would before you before um Leah got here when we were talking about what we were gonna say, you talked about that all the ingredients are living ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, and the fat, you know, that the flour and the yeast is alive when you use it or it won't work if it's not. Um and then and then water, obviously we talked about living water and how water is life, and then the salt, um, that just all all of those pieces together that make bread. And so when he talks about himself being the bread of life, like he is the life, like he yeah. is the living, just like the living water, the living bread, like all of that. He he embodies and like the life. movement of water because you yes. couldn't use like water that collected in a bucket in your leaky yeah, room. Yeah. You would have to use running water. Yeah, yeah, because that's clean. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, movement of the water, water is what makes it uh, useful. Yeah, and filtered and clean and all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on water? Agreed. Water is great to wash down your bread. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they probably wouldn't have drank water to wash down their bread because it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been, they would have used wine. Wine? Yeah, or coffee. They would not have been eating oh, their yeah. tea. They would not have been drinking straight water because it would not have been healthy. Doesn't that crack you up about how we all think we're dehydrated nowadays and carry these like giant, like, like gallon water things? And it's like, I feel like we drink way more water than people in a lot of parts. I, I, of I think most of us are really dehydrated, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, may have to do a change diet. Like, we're not. Yeah, I think it's grapes. Yeah, yeah, we're not eating like we're not eating water. We're yeah, we're eating a lot of dry food and processed yeah. food and fast food and things like that. And so, since we eat like that, we have to drink more water because mm-hmm. we're not getting it naturally. Yeah, and wine has water in it. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca drinks eight glasses a day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not very nice. I'm joking. <laughs> you only drink the rum in the bus. Just six. Just, just, just one bottle, not two. <laughs> JK, JK. I kid, I kid. But yeah, that's good. So do you want to circle back to Cornerstone just as we're kind of rounding out our discussion of a little pun there. <laughs> There's been a lot of puns. There today. has been a lot of puns today. Um, yeah, no, I just I think that um, both the bread of life and the cornerstone, those in building, both of those things are just foundation, right? So 
um, that you know, there's so much in the parables about the foundation and, and not building your not building your house on shaky ground, but yes. it's building you on a foundation. And, um, and and Jesus is calling himself that. He's calling himself, by calling himself the corn, cornerstone or the bread of life or, or any of the things that he's saying in that like idea of him being the capstone. Like that is, that's foundation. So he is foundational to everything. Yeah. And that was what he was, you know, what he was referring to is like, you can come to me because I can provide everything for you for stability and strength. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to find it elsewhere. The world is shaky. We, I mean, we could, all we have to do is turn on the news to know that the world is shaky. Yeah. Um, and, and the stability that we can find is in him. And that is true today as much as it was when he said it in the parables. Yeah. So. It's all about he was building a whole new way of being together yes. too. So like that subversive act of feeding people was a way of being in union or in relationship yes. with people, but it was building a new way of life together too. Yes. So, it was, you know, is it oikos? Is that how you would say the household that he's, yes. it's also the word for economy. So, um, you know, all their relationships, their transactions, their, uh, they're coming together were to happen in a new way together yeah. in a way of love, yeah. um, in a way of change, in a way of enough and yeah. of taking care of each other. So, yeah. So it's not only is he the cornerstone, but he's building a whole new thing. Yeah. It's just that you used the word pivot earlier um, when you're talking about um, building your business and pivoting in your business. But like I was listening to N.T. Wright actually talk about another subject, but one of the things he did say is he was talking about the resurrection and how the resurrection was like the pivot point Mm -hmm. um, and anything that happened post-resurrection was like new. And then all things, everything was new after that. And so... Oh, you know, the, the new way of being, the new way of living. That's why they struggled so much. That's why Paul had to write all the letters that he did. And we still struggle so much mm-hmm. um, in Christian life of and in community of, of figuring it out because it's just so counter-cultural. It was counter-cultural then. It's counter-cultural now to live in this way. Um, on Sunday, our pastor was talk, preaching from Luke 15 about the lost coin and the lost sheep. But that's the start of that, of those parables, is the scribes and, or the, scribes and the Pharisees getting on to Jesus for mm-hmm. eating with mm-hmm. sinners and tax collectors and um he talked about for a while you know and and how like when you ate together just like you were saying leah that it was um that was you know that was it was super it was watched by everybody who you were eating with because that showed who you were Mm -hmm. and so um listen it was a new it was a new I had that song. Did you, were you singing New Dawn, New Day? I was this morning. Yeah, on yeah. Boxer, mm-hmm. and now it's stuck in my head, and now I have it. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. In my head. <laughs> Thank you for getting in my head. Now I have it. Are you feeling good? Song. That's the name of that song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One more thing I just yes. thought of, though. Um, so something that I thought was kind of interesting is if you're making something with only four ingredients, they have to be good, and you can really taste if like one thing is off, like you taste it. Mm. And um, I don't know, I was just thinking of that as like a spiritual metaphor, like, you know, if we're mind, body and spirit and then we're like 
the living water comes in and those are our elements, you know, if one of those is off, we, we know just like yeah. we do know that with bread as well. Yeah. Um, so that's all I have to say about that. Just yeah. a random little. That's all I have to say about that. That's all Thanks I have to forced. say about that. <laughs> My second forest come for today. Well, and, and also, you know, in, in Peter, when he talks about Jesus being the cornerstone, he also talks that we're the living stones. So it's not, the church isn't just Jesus's foundation, but it's us fitting in as living stones that are continuing to be built up. It's not done being built. It's continuously being built until, you know, until he comes back and, and it's finished and the dwelling is finished. But we're like all living pieces of that dwelling that yeah. are built around the cornerstone. Going back to what Leah said about the, the building of a new community. Yeah. Well, that's a good challenge for the church, too, because, you know, Jesus was carving a new way and forming a new family, a new capsule, a new way of being. And what did we do with that? I mean, we institutionalized it, right? Of we course. Had, we made yes. a church, you know, big C. Yeah. And we talk about it as the body, but we can lose the way mm-hmm. for the institution a lot of the time. And so yeah. it's good to stay connected to that. Yep. The yeah. The living piece. The living piece. And that it's ever evolving and ever changing. We don't like that a lot of the time. We don't like that. We've never done it that way before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't we don't like it, but um, it's living and it's active and it's changing and yeah. moving forward and moving towards new creation mm-hmm. and new life which you know we don't want to stay stagnant yes so. yeah I bump up against that a lot <clears throat> in working with Jess Bakery, Bakery we're trying to start a short-term training program we got a grant that'll let us form this eight-week short-term training program yeah extend our reach lots more people can come through we're going to build this network of food businesses and restaurants in the area that who might want to hire our folks our mm-hmm. graduates for yeah. a living wage and then every time I say that last people piece people look at me like mm, yeah food businesses are not going to hire your people for a living wage and like I run a food business I know how hard it is to stay afloat and pay a living wage but that's like the new piece right that's the yes that's the lemon that's like nothing changes builds or becomes tasty or um it's not it's not nutrients it's right it can't feed us until until it changes and mm-hmm. I think it's the one thing I've learned in this work is I'm never afraid to ask anymore you know yeah can I use your commercial kitchen for free to do this new thing? Okay. You know, um, can I have $40,000 to get started? Okay. Like all these things I never would have thought were okay to ask for before. Um, and that living wage one is a piece too, because that's how we remain living and change and, and move closer to that vision that Jesus had for us as a, as a family and a household and a, a new way of being together for sure. And it's so funny to think how, I mean, these are the people, I mean, we eat out so much as a culture and it's just, it's crazy to think how little people are paid to, not just right. for like cooking, but like farming work. And, um, and so, and we've done, we did some podcasts on stewardship, stewardship last year yeah. where we interviewed, um, do you know, Will Harris at White Oak Pastures? Um, they, it's a, um, like a sustainable cattle operation and a lot of other things too, but, um, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but he, yeah, he was just talking about like, it costs more, you know, but it should because you're paying a person to make something for you. Mm -hmm. And we just don't think about that. We're like, well, I can get this bread for like this much or not even bread, but whatever. And so it's, but you're, you're paying somebody to, you're outsourcing a need you have to feed your family and people right. just don't think of it that to way. To stay alive, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a basic need. 
Yeah, that's one of our things on the podcast too. Is like just ask. Like we've had on guests who are way too good for us, oh. but we're just, but we're like, well, we're just gonna ask them. If they yeah. say no, they say no. But like, yeah. I'm not gonna be afraid to be like, right. I would love to interview you. Would you like to come? Yes. And so yeah, I, most of the time they say yes. Most of the time, we've like, had a couple that are just like, no, I'm just too. I think I two that are I'm too, just busy. too busy. But other than that, yeah. So yeah, just ask, guys. Yeah. And, um, okay, so we're going to link to your bakery in the show notes. Um, you said you're going to have, like, gift certificates available for purchase online And we'll as do well. pre-orders for pies for Thanksgiving and lots Wonderful. of different goodies for gifts um, for teachers and family members. Teachers. Around the good. winter holidays. That is a good yeah. teacher gift. Yeah. Easy one. Yeah, and our deliveries are a big new thing we're doing. So yeah. check it out. We're, going to, we're in, I think, 11 different areas now. Okay. That's and awesome. If you have... 10 or so interested customers in the area will come and deliver to you twice a month. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. well, we'll have all that information to check out. For sure. And we definitely should. Sure. Yes. And thank awesome. you. And we'll see you thank next you. week for our next yeah. Advent episode. Yep. Yeah. And thank you, Leah, for being on. Thank yeah. you, Leah. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye.